Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's the Underpowered Hour. On this week's show, our Instagram contest winners are announced. We talk about the Carmichael Fire Appliance, Land Rovers in the Movies, and a tip-top tech tip about Land Rover steering systems. Now, here's the show. Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Stephen Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about my cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or check us out on Instagram at the Barris Collection. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm old, torn, elephant-hide vinyl to Stephen's Corinthian leather. Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram, at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike. So today in the news, our good friends, our very good friends, John and the gang, over at the uh, the Center Steer podcast, which I'm sure if you listen to this Land Rover podcast, you listen to their Land Rover podcast. And if you don't, consider listening, um, are coming up. On their 100th, in fact, probably publishing around the same time as this episode, the 100th episode. Can you imagine getting to 100? This is episode 23 of our 22, because you can't ever listen to the first episode. Maybe one day we'll put that on our <laughs> Patreon. Maybe we'll put it on the Patreon one day. But let's just say the first episode was more of a, we were finding ourselves. It's a little weird. It's a little weird, and it's a little echoey, and it's a, it's it's all the things that... The, the never-aired pilot... Yeah, the unaired pilot. One day when Ike and I are both long gone, the Smithsonian will dig it out of the uh, <laughs> records and they'll be like, this is it. This is the podcast. It'll be right there next to Abraham Lincoln's rocking chair. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so anyway, so John and the gang uh, got to 100 episodes. Bill Burke, our good friend Bill Burke, is their guest on, uh, on, this, uh, on this episode, on the 100th episode. And what better way to celebrate 100 uh, episodes of anything than uh, with a visit from Bill Burke. So it should be uh, a riveting episode. Of course, we record this show a little early, so I haven't listened to it yet. I'm looking very forward to it uh, indeed. And uh, we're setting up at some point. I'm going to announce it. I, I didn't tell John I was, but we're going to. Uh, we're going to do a crossover episode, a very special what? crossover episode, like when what? Super girl meets the green arrow um i'll let you decide who's who in that uh, arrangement scooby-doo meets the harlem globetrotters oh my god it is gonna be amazing we are uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a little crossover episode with our good people friends. are gonna go to sleep so fast <laughs> 
it's like, and you just listen one into the other. Where it's going to be a big cliffhanger, but I don't know on whose show. We're trending. We're, did you know this? We're trending uh, narcoleptic podcasts. Oh, yeah. Recommended narcoleptic podcasts. Have I ever told you that, like, in college, so I, I, I went to a place called uh, Full Sail University down in Florida, and uh, part of their it's rigorous... Brewery. It is It is also a brewery. Uh, it is also a brewery. <laughs> um, the, uh, I went to school at a brewery in Florida, and uh, they... So they have a 24-hour class schedule, um, which is which is alternative, but for an entertainment uh, industry uh, program, a film school, um, it makes sense because that's sort of how it works. So anyways, um, it, it often meant that I had labs at, you know, one o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, whatever, right? So I had to get really good at like putting myself to sleep and I didn't want to take like a, you know, like a, like whatever, an Ambien or something and then go buy a bunch of shit on eBay and jump off a bridge or something. So I decided that, uh, you know, I, I, I sort of hunted around for things that I would watch on TV. And it just so happened that the Florida PBS affiliate would affiliate would play Bob Ross reruns. <laughs> and man, something about the rhythmic tapping of that brush against that velvety canvas. So like, soothing. 15 seconds and I would be out cold. And to this day it works. So well, I can only aspire to that sort of if this show uh, isn't doing it for you. If the dulcet tones of <laughs> Ike and Steve doesn't put you to sleep, try Bob Ross because it is. It is like the it's the all natural ambient. And man, he is a uh, he is a he's a soulful painter. National treasure. He really Speaking is. Speaking of national treasures, we have some contest winners to oh, announce. Oh my God! I know this is one of the most I I want to say probably the most hotly anticipated contest on the internet currently. Easily, I, I can't think of one that's more popular than None. this. But yes, finally after uh, we. Weeks of uh, of people tagging other people, friends, relatives, cats, dogs, someone that has one post of a uh, of a ficus. Um, <laughs> we have finally, through through powerful math, similar math to the math that we use, similar apparatus to the apparatus that we use to choose uh, famous uh, Land Rover owners of the week. Uh, we employed the same technology to randomly, randomly select. Uh, no less, to be fair, than five winners. Five pairs of winners. Five pairs, because it's five winners, and then it's the five people they tag. True. That is, to be fair, much more than we committed to uh, originally, but there was so many great uh, folks. What an incredible turnout. We thought, you know what? We're going to splurge. So everybody can't have a small. We don't have that many small. <laughs> but as long as, we, as long as everybody doesn't get a small, then I think we're all right. We didn't order a ton of small T-shirts. But uh, um, so we have six people. So now is uh, I'm sorry we have uh, we have ten people total. So now one of my new favorite uh, segments on the show, Ike pronounces your Instagram handle, <laughs> which I think is going to be really really special. So Ike, uh, who is our who's our first pair of Instagram T-shirt winners? Our first pair is Zatunes and Johan Thomas twenty eight fifty nine. Johan. That Johan Thomas, twenty eight fifty nine sounds like a cyberpunk novel. I think it's actually Joanne Thomas. If um, if it's but I liked Johan Thomas. So Johan we're just Thomas, go like with it was that. like it's like it's like a, it's like a, it's like a uh, discovering the new world, but in the in the the twenty the year twenty eight fifty nine. Um, all right, well, fantastic. That is uh, that's great. Who is uh, our next uh, our next winner? Our next winner is All Wheelsy. 
And I'm assuming they tag somebody that's to be announced because I don't I to don't, be announced in the future. I don't have that information. You can write me. it down. We yeah. picked somebody. It came up uh, again, chosen who, by random number. But uh, whoever they're paired up. with, that's that's who won. We're gonna get. Uh, we're gonna get. Oh, you know what? Hmm. You know what we'll do? We're gonna make it interesting. We'll we'll see who they want to pick. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think they might have tagged a couple of people. Okay. So All right. we'll do. Well, you know, we, there are no rules. We're we're just gonna we're gonna do it like that. We're gonna find out who their better friend is. Yeah, and That's then we'll evil. make them. When then we'll make them it's announce evil. it publicly. <laughs> This is going to be great. This will drive a wedge so deep in the all four wheelsy community. I can't even tell you. I can't wait. All right. The next one, I believe, is like a father-daughter pair. Oh. You know, this is uh, Liza's Landy's and Eliza 3. That sounds like that may be a combo uh, team there, but uh, I like it. And actually, we, we've checked out the uh, the uh, Liza's Landy's and uh, Adorable. Looks like they have a Series 2A uh, car, a later 2A car, and uh, and they're working on it. They're doing stuff. It's snowy. Adorable. Fantastic. All right. The next pair is Quirik and 9661J. Did check that 9166J. I don't know. Is that a was that a license plate? It sounds like maybe the guy's name is Jay. And, and that is his that is part of his zip code. It's there's, the it's the pin card to his bank account. It's there's the probably number. some reason that's called that, but I don't know what it is. We're gonna get that story when we slide into his DMs. <laughs> okay, and the next one is Robert So 68 and Donna Petri 73. Well, I like that they've both decided to have, is it their age? Is it their favorite number at the end? I don't know. But I will say, I've looked at at, uh, at Robert So 68's uh, uh, feed and Robert So 68. Okay. He doesn't look 68. If he is, doesn't look a day over 50. So those are our contest winners, and congratulations to everybody who uh, entered. Absolutely. We'll be sliding into your DMs shortly to get your mailing address, T-shirt size, um, and potentially limited color preference. <laughs> Maybe. You can have any color as long as the one we made. As long as we have it, then you may have it. Um, well, fantastic. And hey, thanks for everyone for showing up and uh, you know, throwing down those uh, those tags for your friends, relatives. Hopefully, new people have found their way to whatever it is this is and, uh, and are enjoying it uh, or, again, are using it as a powerful sleep aid. Uh, either way, as long as we're helping out, I'm happy to uh, be doing it so uh enjoy uh, your t-shirts those will be coming shortly uh so next up uh ike britain's top model this week is something that i know you're insanely uh, passionate about something i enjoy looking at uh is uh land rovers that are uh fire tender i you know i think uh everybody has that that little person inside of them that loves fire trucks you know and sometimes that person is an arsonist. But uh, mm -hmm. in my case, mm -hmm. I just like fire trucks. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, in this particular Britain's Top Model, I would say that this this is one of the more uh, homely of the Land Rover variants. Yeah. This uh, this particular <laughs> <The> Delta <laughs> Land Rover variant, if you will. Yeah. 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 It's 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 not it's not a looker, but yeah. you know, one thing I like about it is that it's it's very obviously a Land Rover. Like it's made of Land Rover parts and yeah. it looks like a Land Rovery. And it was also a, a kind of popular matchbox toy. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, there was For a sure. there was a matchbox toy of the Carmichael fire plants this week's mm -hmm. uh, Britain's top model is the Carmichael fire plants. I think these were only made as a fire plants, but I could be mm -hmm. wrong on that. Mm -hmm. But almost everyone I've ever seen was a fire appliance. And um, 
I think they were mostly made in that capacity. And now the yeah. Carmichael company thought, how do we fit more gear, more, you know, accoutrements into the footprint of the Land Rover? And so they decided that they were going to engineer, design, and build a forward control Land Rover. And this mm-hmm. is, I, I believe, before Land Rover decided to make their own forward yeah. control. Yeah. And so they were like, oh, man, this is a great idea. We're going to make this Land Rover van. You know, it's going to have all the room you could ever want for all your gear. It's going to be four-wheel drive and so on and so forth. So they built this car. It has tiny little short fenders. You know, yeah. like the the Land Rover has this uh, recessed breakfast Yep. And this vehicle does too. And uh, except the fenders are only like, you know, a foot long or something <laughs> yeah, instead very, of being tiny, instead of being four feet long or yeah. five feet long, they're whatever yeah. they're, they're a foot long. So they're adorable and it has this mm-hmm. tiny, tiny little hood, you yeah. know, that's like also a foot long. And uh, what is under that tiny hood? Because it's like the, the radiator. Engine, you're sitting on top of it, right? It's, like so the, it's, it's gotta be the radiator. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I haven't spent a lot of time around the Carmichael yeah. fire plant, so I'm yeah. not exactly sure of how it's laid out, but if it's anything like the, the standard, Land Rover Ford Control. It probably has yeah. a drive shaft that runs up to the radiator and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Mm-hmm. So um, this is a car that they spent clearly a lot of time, you know, engineering. It has like two bulkheads, you know, yeah. like the yeah. there's a bulkhead behind the normal bulkhead. So there's like a little, you know, um, parcel tray for mm-hmm. the passengers who sit behind. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a crazy vehicle. It's, yeah. it's just, just wild. So it's all cobbled together out of Land Rover parts and custom-made pieces, and it's a van, and it's four-wheel drive. Very interesting vehicle if you haven't seen one. They're pretty unusual. I think uh, most of them probably don't survive. You know, they, they uh, you know, probably weren't super practical, yeah. and uh, they w- came out of service and, you know, got rusty in civilian hands. But there's a few that still exist, and one of them was for sale recently on the East Coast. It's actually mm-hmm. one that I... Uh, looked at buying maybe 15, 20 years ago, and mm-hmm. uh, it recently came up for sale again. Uh, it's been repainted bronze green, still in pretty good condition, hmm. and I think it I think it sold for maybe $15,000, something like oh, that. Oh, wow. That's a great deal. It that's was. It deal. was not for sale for very long because it's such an unusual variant. One thing yeah. that's a little different than the normal forward controls is that it's not sprung over, so it's kind of at right. the standard Land Rover height instead right. of being this big, tall vehicle. So it is kind of cool in that way because you could have a passenger van, four-wheel drive, Land Rover-y thing uh, with tons of room in the back in the standard Land Rover footprint. And it uh, wouldn't be especially hard to get into and high and unwieldy and top-heavy, kind of like the standard Land Rover forward control. Oh, yeah. If you've ever had to get into a, a 101 or a 2B, they are uh, it's Tall. quite a climb. Tall wow. vehicles. Yeah, they yeah, have a they step on the wheel for those of you that haven't seen them. So you could you like step on the wheel center and one then into the things. car. Yeah, one of my it, favorite things: the bolt-on step wheel center, the like so continuously cool. round step. It's it's super cool. Super it's cool, cool, but Unimog did it first. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They okay. sure did. But uh, still, it's still cool. Uh, but you would think it would make it easier to get in, but because it's a continuous slope, it's actually a little tricky. It's a little, you got to kind of like step up and then you got to do like a little toe hop to get into the, it's very similar to the Olympic uh, climbing. I don't know if you watched any of that yet, but the, uh, you know, I, you feel sort of very nimble. You have to do sort of these dynamic moves, swing yourself up into yeah. the car. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. But no, unfortunately, you know, the Carmichael is much like those 
guys who made the pickup truck bed for the Jeep right before Jeep made a pickup truck. Pretty much you know? the same story. Yeah, they made they they spent a ton of effort and time building this car uh, for a very limited market, and then Land Rover was like, "Hey, that's a great idea. We'll make our own forward control." And then, of course, there's not really a whole lot of uh, financial incentive to continue doing that. So it was pretty short lived. I'm pretty sure there was one at the uh, British uh, Auto Heritage Museum, Motor Heritage Museum uh, in Gaydon for a little while. I'm not sure it's still there, and I'm I'm almost positive, if not 100 percent positive, that at Brooklands um, in the UK there is one. They have quite a collection of fire tenders there. They have the Range Rover fire tender, the six by mm-hmm. uh, fire tenders and stuff. It's also where they have one of the Concords and one of the Concords you can actually go on, which is pretty cool. And they have parts of the old Brooklyn racetrack there, Brooklyn's racetrack. It's really neat. Well, Carmichael as a company continue producing vehicles, including the six wheel drive Range Rover. Yeah. So that wasn't the only Land Rover variant yeah. or the only Land Rover fire plants they made, but uh, it's kind of the most uh, iconic or famous one just because of the way it looks and how crazy it is. It's a very fun looking thing. And I guarantee you somewhere in the world someone is using it as a tiny house if there was a van conversion someone is living in it as a tiny house now that's if i've learned anything from youtube that is the uh, uh that is what i've learned I, i'm watching this youtube with these two that are probably pretty close to you actually like building their own homestead sort of situation living out of their overland camper and like i love that stuff i can't i can't get enough i i love to see that stuff there was a guy that uh has a uh one of those Suzuki carries the tiny little oh, mini yeah. pickups and yeah. he's got a, like a cab over camper and is living out of it. That Does he have to is... sleep? He has to like sleep in like fortune cookie configuration. I imagine. To, no, so. I mean the thing is like eight, eight, ten feet long. So, mm-hmm. he, you know, he just sleeps in like a little spot up above cool. the cab and, uh, he apparently has like three possessions. And so those go underneath. Wow. Well, there, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There you go. Well, good uh, good for him. Um, so, Ike, Land Rovers in the movies, our next segment, and one that is very popular. People really enjoy uh, Land Rovers in the movies. This is actually something that we uh, touched on uh, with Frank uh, last week. I'm lost in time as to where where in the world we are, but uh, we talked a little bit about this film. Uh, what uh, What's our uh, Land Rover in the movies uh, this week? Well, this is perhaps the most famous of Land Rover movies, and it has inspired a lot of Land Rover owners, and I think it is representative of the Land Rover ownership experience in a lot of ways. (laughs) And uh, this week's movie is uh, The Gods Must Be Crazy, and for those of you that haven't seen it, you should see it immediately. It's a wonderful film, whether you like Land Rovers or not, and uh, it's it's heartwarming, and it's funny, and uh, it's charming, and uh, really a wonderful uh, bit of film. Uh, I really like this film. And uh, it's a classic that I think a lot of Land Rover, you know, a lot of car marks have that movie that represents them, you know, like the Italian job is minis maybe. And, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Porsche's, you know, Le Mans maybe or Mm -hmm, something like mm -hmm. that. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, car movies that resonate with the, the, you know, ownership groups and, and for Land Rovers, this is probably the most cited film that's associated with it. And and a Land Rover is actually one of the characters in the film and it is, called the antichrist <laughs> and appropriately so i think appropriately uh so there's lots of uh lots of bizarre shenanigans that uh, get up now what like what happened do we know what happened to that car do you know where it is like is you it know, is it is it known to be somewhere 
I don't know the answer to that. Somebody texted me recently and said, you know, the Antichrist has been found or something like that. And I but they were actually, up. as it turns out, they were talking. It was an unrelated to Land Rovers. It, it was, was it yeah. was more related to Revelations yeah. and that sort of no, thing. But unfortunately, uh, yeah. at, at any rate, in this particular case, I wasn't able to determine that it was in fact the car. Nice. But uh, it was some, uh, I believe, some Land Rover shop in Belgium had a car that they were calling the Antichrist. But whether it was the one from the movie, it, it sure didn't look like it. It was a right. similar model but uh i i don't know i have to do some more research on that but as far as i know it's not like known to be in a particular place but i'd love to find out so if any of our listeners know its current whereabouts and uh, reach out to me because i would love 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 to hear about the people to own land rovers because you know you watch the movie and you're like it's it's really useful in the film they use it a lot and it's fun and mm-hmm. it's like a horrible inconvenience. <laughs> exactly right. It's exactly right. <laughs> it is exactly right. It is exactly but right. In the ways that it is an inconvenience, it's very amusing for those of us watching. So <laughs> next time you see some struggling with your Land Rover, just, you know, think of that film. And but, uh, again, like just a great, like as a piece of cinema, just a great show. It's a really great movie. Really and, good. Uh, you know, it is, uh, yeah, it is, uh, it is uh, certainly uh, the, if you will, canonical land rover movie all other land rover movies tomb raider based on the uh you know the the second most famous now a couple things you might not know about the gods must be crazy mm-hmm. they did make a sequel gods must be crazy 2 which is also really good but does not have a land rover featured in it heavily i think there's maybe a couple like glancing mm. shots of it but uh mostly i think it's an airplane that they're flying around mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. film but there's a honey, there's a I great didn't know there was a sequel. There's a great honey badger sequence in that film. Mm. It's it's actually really good too. Gods Must Be Crazy 2 is really great. Now, uh Gods Must Be Crazy 3 is really where they jump the shark. <laughs> I think it I Secrets think it, of the Ooze. I, I think it yeah, does have Nick Sao, who is the, yeah. the Bushman character in yeah. it. Um I think some Chinese production company bought the rights to the name okay. of the okay. film. And uh, there are things uh, that you would not expect, like vampires and the ghost of Bruce Lee in The Gods Must Be Crazy 3. That right. is a that is one that I've never been able to like fully watch because I don't think there's an English version, but it is insanely I, I'm crazy. I'm 100% sold now, Ike. I mean, you, you basically <laughs> you outlined a number of things that I look for in a great film. So I feel like this is actually something now I've got to go seek out. Uh, we'll do, Ike and I will do a dubbed over English translation and we'll post that to the Patreon. So uh, look out uh, look out for that copyright infringement. Steven acquires the rights to I will, Crazy I'm gonna 3. Quickly, and we'll make an all, uh, an all Lego uh, Stop Go Animation Gods Must Be Crazy 4. It's going to be fantastic. Um, so let's talk uh, about a uh, tip, a top, a tech tip, uh, Ike, that we have. As uh, as you know uh, very well, I have been struggling uh, with the steering in my uh, stage one uh, as, as newly acquired, and uh, you know it's it's fun to uh, uh, you know to find all of the weird little things that are uh, that are uh, you know part of uh, of a new car. So at some point that's going to get taken apart and. Uh, and I will. Uh, I'll start going through it uh, right now. It's just sort of a forty-degree uh, swing on the uh, steering. Uh, you, you. It's like a tiller. You set a course and just yeah. Kind of... You, you 
sort of say you're going to go, and then about two seconds later, the Land Rover kind of follows where you had indicated. So it's more of a suggestion than it is a you know a rule. Uh, so so far as the steering is concerned, but uh, we're getting it sorted. You know, we'll uh, start taking that apart uh, in the next uh, week or two here, and uh, I'm sure that will go. Uh, there will be no problems. I'm sure. I can't imagine there being any yeah. impotence to your progress no, in that be scenario. Just fine. Just fine. So what is this week's uh, tip top uh, tech tip? Well, this week's TikTok tool tip, tech tip, tipper, tip, yeah, tipper gore. Yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna study the Land Rover steering system a little bit, the series Land Rover steering system, mm-hmm. and uh, you know this is a really common problem with old cars in general. But of mm-hmm. course, you know trucks, four wheel drives, vehicles that get used heavily, um, they definitely see extra wear on the steering system. And Land Rover is mm-hmm. no exception to that. Um, the Land Rover steering system is pretty simple, but there's a couple things that can cause real headaches. And uh, for the uninitiated, you know, people are always complaining, oh, this is an old truck. It's wandering all over and it's hard to steer and I have yep. to always keep my hands on it. That shouldn't be the case. You That's should be exactly able to. Right, yeah. You should be able to drive your Land Rover with one hand on the steering wheel at 60, 70 miles an hour, and, and have I, it, you know you have tell it go people that, and they sort of you know the the sort of the, the same thing, right? You so somebody has a serious car, and they say, ah, yeah, well, you know, the steering's terrible, and all the gears sort of grind and stuff. Like, no, it's not supposed to be like that. I had someone a couple weeks ago driving my Series Three, and they said like you just kind of point it, and it goes where like I I don't remember them being this tight. And stuff. It's just well adjusted, and it's it's you know this is how it's supposed to be. Did you think in you know again my my stage one is from 1984 in 1984 that cars would be wandering give or take about 20 degrees anywhere <laughs> in their lane? Like, of course not, uh, of course not. Yeah, you know, there's uh like so many things that are old, the condition of the steering is really dependent on the way the vehicle's been used and how it's been maintained. And so you're kind of at the mercy of all the previous owners. And so many of us don't know the previous owners of our cars. And so we can't, you know, fully curse at them in the way that we would like. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, you find a lot of problems. Typically what you find is wear and lack of maintenance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people do a pretty good job of keeping oil in the engine. They do an okay job of keeping oil in the transmission, Mm -hmm. but almost never are people putting oil in the steering system. And so it's very commonly overlooked. The steering relay in particular, Mm -hmm. followed by the steering box, are often overlooked oil reservoirs. And so many times you get these old cars and all the oil has leaked out long, long time ago. And so the interior components of those mechanisms are not in great shape. And steering relays, especially on the series trucks, because there's not sort of an oil oil filler cap or a yes. little bit, you know, it's one of the bolts comes out better to take, actually take two of them out so that you've got a little bit of an, an air uh, exit uh, as well. And you wouldn't, that's counterintuitive. You don't think that you, uh, you have to remove bolts that look like they're holding something together. And to be fair, they are compressing a spring that is under an enormous amount of tension in there. So don't take all four out. If you take all four out, you will soon find uh, that, uh, that the, uh, you know, it, depending on how worn the shaft is, it'll sometimes shoot the whole operation out the top. But, um, but certainly it doesn't seem like oil goes in there, but in fact, it yeah, does. 
It, it's not it's not immediately obvious that oil goes in there, but uh, if you think you know there's moving parts in there, there has to be some sort of lubrication, you know, and uh, it affects my steering. So you know, typically the steering relay is it's got bushings on the top mm-hmm. and the bottom, and uh, those bushings will get really stiff, and the steering will get really hard, or you know they'll prematurely wear, and the the shaft will start to wobble around a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, those are things that can happen. The arms. Uh, are splined onto the steering relay shaft Mm -hmm. and there's a pinch bolt that holds them in place. So the pinch bolt can get loose. The splines can get worn. These are sorts of problems that you notice. One thing that you can do if you have excessive play in your steering or, and you're wondering what component is responsible for this, you can get someone to sit in the driver's seat and kind of rock just the play out of the steering. And then uh, you can observe the linkage and find out exactly where the problem is. You know, put your hands on the, the various ball joints, the drag link, tie rod ends, you know, the steering arms where they attach to the swivels mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and kind of check everything, make sure everything's tight and you can get the minimum amount of play. Now, the, the steering box is kind of its own animal. The earliest steering boxes in the Series 1 cars, the 80 inches, 86, 107, those, um, those are worm and nut style steering. Mm-hmm. And so they have a worm gear and then a nut that rides up and down on the worm gear, forcing the steering arm to move. And those are not adjustable. There mm-hmm. is, um, there's a company in the UK, Design and Development Engineering, that makes a casing with a thrust bolt so you can kind of adjust them. But uh, typically when those parts start to wear, you kind of have to replace it. So yep. those are a little bit harder to deal with, those earlier steering boxes. The later steering boxes, they were like, that's a huge problem. So they have a, a tapered selector fork that fits over the, mm-hmm. the worm and nut. And so that... Um, forces any play out of it and those are much more adjustable and easier to rebuild so those little bit later steering boxes starting with the late series ones Mm -hmm. in about 1956 those steering boxes all the way through the series threes very similar to design to one another and uh, really easy to service and rebuild for the most part Uh, we do a lot of those rebuilds there at the shop at pangolin Mm -hmm. four by four and so we see these problems all the time broken selector forks. If you turn the steering wheel on a Land Rover, like if your wheels are stuck against a rock or wedged in a ditch or something like that, and you turn your steering wheel very hard, you will break the selector fork. So if you dry steer it enough, you can, you can, you're weakening that selector fork, a lot of dry steering on, uh, and you know, I think it's people coming back and forth from modern cars where dry steering isn't really going to hurt anything. Um, or even a, you know, a power steering, uh, you know, defender or something, it's not really going to hurt something the same way. But if you do a ton of like sitting still and cranking as hard as you can on that wheel, you always need to have a little bit of movement just to, uh, just to make sure that you're not putting all that strain into the steering box. And that's a little counterintuitive people used to know that you didn't steer unless the car was moving either forward or backwards but now we don't think about it because you just put your palm on the steering wheel and you zip it in either direction and off you go uh but not not so much certainly i've seen lots of people also bend i mean you can bend steering components depending on how much you're how much force you're putting into it you can break tie rods all kinds of terrible stuff you can get a lot of leverage on that big steering wheel and uh, i think people underestimate how that's affecting the rest of the system especially if the tires are wedged in place Mm -hmm. um you know power steering is great but uh you know the manual steering it can work really well if everything's set up and adjusted well um Another little pitfall that I find with the series cars is that there are two types of tie rod ends, right? There's Mm -hmm. a fully threaded tie rod end and a partially threaded tie rod end. And the tie rod and drag link 
are matched to those types of ends. Yeah. So the clamping force it, it needs to it needs to be applied to either the threads or the unthreaded section, depending on which you have fitted. Yeah. And they're not interchangeable. And so we what we see a lot is people buy the part and they buy the wrong part, mm-hmm. and they install it, and you know the unthreaded section won't go into the threaded tie mm-hmm. rod end, and mm-hmm. so it forces the shaft to be overall length longer. Mm-hmm. And so then you get some funny things where it'll turn more in one direction than the other, or the other it's towed out and it wants to wander all over the road mm-hmm. and that's because you can't adjust it properly and mm-hmm. uh, the toe in on a series land rover should be a 16th of an inch you want that mm-hmm. toe in so that it tracks straight you know the mm-hmm. tires are slightly very slightly very forced slightly, towards yeah. each other yep and so it tracks straight if you get in a car and it's starting to wander all over the place you can rest assured that the alignment is off the yep. camber on the wheels not adjustable but the toe yep. in is definitely adjustable and it affects it strongly the other well problem, and that's that when you take it to an alignment shop often they're like oh well the whatever they've looked it up you know the oh well that the i can't adjust the camber's wrong and we can't yeah. there's no way to adjust no no, no. Only thing you could adjust is that toe angle. The toe in. So that's important. Yeah. Um, and if you have really stiff steering, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's either the relay, the swivel mm-hmm. preload is too tight, or the steering box adjustment is, is too far or too tight on the selector fork. And that's actually pretty dangerous, too, because, you know, it requires constant effort to keep the wheel straight or the car straight. And so it's, it's almost like you turn the wheel and it stays you know, in that direction. So that's actually a really dangerous condition because it it just takes an incredible amount of concentration and effort to keep the car going straight. And so uh, that's not good either for it to be too tight. It is an interesting uh, collection. And of course, the early series cars don't have a collapsible steering link. So the relay to the steering box is fixed on like the Defender that has a a, a sort of like catastrophically telescoping one. So um, all kinds of weird little, all kinds of weird little things. But, uh, and the stage one, of course, has a different steering relay uh, box. The the housing for the steering relay is unique to just that car and uh, therefore irreplaceable and <laughs> very hard to get. Very expensive, uh, yeah. Because it was expensive. kind of a small production you know, group for those stage ones. Easily $1,000 to get a new uh, steering uh, relay. But uh, the funny thing is, and I don't know how many people know this, but the, the guts are the same as any Series 3. So the uh, you can you could rebuild it with... Mm-hmm the same steering relay parts you would get and it oils the same way as a steering and take the bolts out and oil in from the top is the same as you would any other uh, relay so for those eight other people that have a stage one now you now you know um, it's bolted to a bracket if i'm not mistaken instead of being captured within the frame that's exactly right and so because yeah. of that can become very loose and as uh, as we discovered on uh, my stage one uh <laughs> the previous owner complaining that the steering was very vague um part of the problem is that the bolts are super loose on the steering relay and the steering relay would move give or take about an inch in any direction when you steer it so that's that's not how that's supposed to work no so not yeah, at all anyway so uh to to wrap up like everyone's favorite segment without question maybe soon to be rivaled by ike pronounces your instagram handle but for now <laughs> for now everyone's favorite uh segment uh famous land rover owner of the week who did uh the uh famous land rover owner of the week uh machine the works the rube goldberg contraption that that uh that uh, bestows upon us via stone tablet um the name uh of uh the celebrity that we'll be talking about who who is it this week 
Well, we're going to cheat a little bit this week. I don't know that Marilyn Monroe ever owned a Land Rover, but certainly one of the most iconic photos of a Land Rover mm-hmm. is the photo of Marilyn Monroe in a Land Rover. That's true. And I've seen three pictures of her with this Land Rover, and uh, it's one I would dearly like to find, this uh, this Marilyn Monroe vehicle. But I believe the vehicle was actually owned by Sam Shaw, who mm-hmm. is a photographer. Yeah. Yep. And uh, this car is kind of an interesting one. It's a, a short wheelbase Series 1 soft top. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you that don't know, the soft tops were a kind of an unusual configuration for the United States. You know, most mm-hmm. of the Series 1s were hard tops. North America was supposed to be this, like, frozen, barren wasteland. <laughs> and so uh, you didn't see too many soft top Series 1s, at least originally configured that way, yep. that aren't 80 inches, right? Yeah. So this car is like a probably an 88. I haven't mm-hmm. looked at it too closely, but it's either an 86 or an 88, probably an 88. Mm-hmm. Um Actually, it might be an 86 because I think it was taken in 1955. Okay. Anyway, that's yep. something I'll have to look at. But mm-hmm. at, at, at any rate, it's it also an unusual color. It's like a limestone color. Oh. And it appears to be originally that color. Like, And that wasn't a color that was really used on the full car until uh, the Series 2 came out. That's right. So it, it, it's a light color, and I, I need to study the photograph more. Was but it there, a car? Was it a rover car color? Uh, that's another good question. I don't know. Mm. I don't know whether it was a special order car or he painted it that, but Maybe. the galvanizing yeah. on the cappings isn't painted over. It right. doesn't appear to be repainted, and it's a pretty new car at that time. Right. So my feeling is that it was special ordered in that color, which would make it extremely rare. Um, yeah. They didn't really have light or or you know, the lightest thing they had was beige, you know, export yeah. beige. Yeah. And so they didn't really have a light color until the limestone cars came out with the Series 2. So uh, that makes an unusual car, an interesting car. And beyond that, of course, you have the iconic Marilyn Monroe, you know, sitting in the car. And there's a few different versions of the picture. You know, there's one with her in a blanket and one with her standing in front of the car where you see mm-hmm. the front of the vehicle. But the one where she's smiling, looking out the door, you know, looking like she's having fun. She's wearing uh, like a... 50s you know swim one piece swimsuit and um uh it's it's an amazing iconic photo it's very it's very american but then you have this land rover in the in the photo so it's 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 really got an international appeal and you see it used a lot in advertising Mm -hmm. so i i think it's definitely important and worth mentioning this in our famous land rover owners even though i don't think she technically owned the car but i uh, think uh, owner jacency is fine i mean here's the thing there's only so many land rover owners in the world um you know, by the time we get to our hundredth episode, uh, you know, we're going to be scraping the very bottom of that. That's going to be that's going to be like in two weeks. Yeah, we're, we're, we're ripping through it at this rate. Ripping through it. Uh, and at that, uh, I think it's time to uh, wrap this one up and uh, get ready for uh, what will be, I'm sure, a straightforward and easy process of uh, replacing the steering in uh, my stage one. So uh, stay <laughs> tuned uh, for that. Uh, if you are an Instagram winner, again, congratulations. Uh, look for uh, Ike uh, to uh, start wearing your uh, shirts and... <laughs> <laughs> and then we will uh, we will mail them uh, to you post uh, post wearing. Um, so Unwashed. hopefully hopefully nobody needs a small. Of course not unwashed. The 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 appeal of the entire thing is the unwashed, genuine Ica sweat uh, permeating uh, in an incredibly pervasive way every uh, shirt that we send out. So uh, we're going to slide into your DMs. So look out for that. And Ike, it's been a pleasure as always. Uh, safe travels, and uh, we'll talk to you next week all right godspeed steven looking forward to it
Short Hour is produced by me, Steve Barris, and Ike Goss. Consider supporting the show through our Patreon, and when you do, you'll be given access to exclusive content and Underpowered Hour merch. Want even more Underpowered Hour? Check out our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. 